Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. I'm excited to speak today with Zach Moss, the head fencing coach at Northwestern University. Zach, how are you today? Doing well, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm glad to speak with you. Thanks for taking out some time. Yeah, absolutely, glad to be here. All right, so, uh, you know, I like to start with kind of your personal journey with fencing, how you got exposed to the sport, uh, maybe what, what drew you into it, what attracted you, um, and uh, kind of take it from there. Sure. So uh, a lot of people who know have known me my whole life would tell you that I was born into the sport. Um, I grew up around it. Uh, my, my dad has been involved in the sport since high school. He started fencing in high school, fenced in college at Michigan State when there was a varsity team there. And then uh, transitioned into coaching and refereeing. Uh, there's actually, uh, he was a high school coach in New Jersey for a while. Uh, the Brandeis head coach, Jenny, was one of his students um, for a period of time. And uh, so, yeah, so I, he was refereeing nationally when I was born. And there are still some people out there, not many anymore, who can tell you times when he was refereeing with me in like a baby carrier on his chest. Uh, so, yeah, that's sort of how I got exposed to the sport. Um, and then as a kid, I was really into Zorro. And so I really wanted to do the sport as well. I definitely didn't get pushed into it at all. I actually... On my fifth birthday, birthday, I asked my parents when I could start fencing, and uh, they told me when you turn six, assuming that I would forget over the course of a year. And so on my sixth birthday, I was like, "Okay, I'm starting fencing now," um, and <laughs> that's that's how I started. And uh, I start on uh, grew up in New Hampshire, fenced at a local club there for a long time, um, and started competing nationally when I was ten. Did the whole national circuit. Um, trained at Tanner City Fencers Club for most of my uh, competitive career in, in Massachusetts, and then went to Duke University where I, uh, I fenced there before, um, for all four years, fenced at FA. Um, I had been a foil fencer my whole life, uh, competed some in FA, but never really trained in until I got to college. Nice. Well, I'm glad you crossed over to the right side, the FA side. <laughs> Um, but that's really cool. You, you got it honest. You started, you, like you said, your dad uh, exposed you to the sport very early. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, um, everyone always told me I was an FA fencer, but I like refused to make the switch. Uh, there's like, I was pretty stubborn about it. Like I was getting much better results in FA without training in it. And I was like, no, the solution to this problem is to stop fencing FA and focus more on foil. So it took me a while to get there. But um, yeah, no, it's been a great journey. And I, you know, after college, I decided I wanted to keep fencing. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career, um, which was not an ideal way to go through and invest in my education with no idea where I wanted to go with it, but uh, worked out in the end. Um, but I knew I wanted to keep fencing. I wasn't super satisfied with my college career and I loved my experience there, but I wanted to see where I could go with the sport. And I think in the back of my mind, coaching was always there. But um, I never really knew that that would be the path I would take. And so I trained and competed nationally for about six years after college. And during that time, started doing some more and more coaching. And, uh, eventually decided to make the switch full time into coaching. Nice. So let's talk about that. But right before we jump into that, were there any coaches that you had that kind of influenced you or, you know, put that bug in your ear to think about it? No one ever put it in my ear to think about it too much. After college, um, 
my coach from Duke, Alex Begane, um, seeing that I was still involved in the sport, we had conversations about it um, to see if I, it was something I wanted to do at some point, and I told him yes. Um, but I think it was more, wasn't, wasn't very direct in general, uh, the influence coaches had on my thought process around coaching, just the people who I was fortunate enough to have as coaches from the time I was 11 or 12, probably younger, through my entire life, like I had great relationships with all of my coaches. I always, they were people I looked up to most or the teachers. Um, and yeah, every single coach I had just had such a big impact on my life and specifically fencing coaches. I had a lot of coaches in other sports that didn't have the same impact. Um, that I think it really shaped sort of the way I felt a coach can have an impact on an athlete a person's life. Nice, nice. So let's talk about that then. Let's talk about going, you know, from an idea in the back of your mind to something that you actually do now. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? Uh, how did that happen? Um, so I was in Minnesota, which after graduating college, I went there to train with Rosa Olvaro, who um, was somebody I had a relationship with as a coach from when I was younger. Um, the club I went to, Banner City, didn't send coaches to, international comp uh, to national competitions, excuse me. Um, it was a not. It was not a, a club that really charged people much of anything, despite have, having Olympic level coaches. Um, so when I traveled, I uh, basically befriended random coaches through my dad mostly um, to get them to sit, ask for script coaching if they had time and to come, you know, help out if they could. And Roe was one of those who had helped me when I was younger, and I always felt like um, I had a lot that I could learn from him, and that his um, thinking communication style would really work for me as a student. And so I, um, when I graduated, that's where I wanted to go train was with him. Um, and then he actually became the 2012 Olympic team coach for Luis Epe and won a bronze medal. So um, I guess I picked well, <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, so yeah. So during that time I'm training with him and, you know, working full time just to put myself, support myself for training. Um, and some local coaching opportunities opened up at a high school. Actually, it started in uh, volleyball. I was a, the JV volleyball coach at this high school, and then they needed a new fencing coach. So I was doing both um, different seasons. And that really, I really, re I really enjoyed it. Just working with um, athletes in both, in both sports um, and particularly um, the high school age kids because it was like a seventh through 12th grade school um and so then I started help I had always helped out at the club a little bit but I started helping out more at the at the club that I was training at with Ro and talking to him a little bit about coaching and, and sort of starting to develop that more and more actively um over my last couple of years there got it got it so then going into your current position now at Northwestern. Can you talk a little bit, of, a little bit about um, maybe your challenges starting out there, or kind of your first thoughts starting out as a as a coach there on the collegiate level? Sure. So yeah, I I started um, as an assistant coach. So I basically went from coaching part time at a club and coaching a high school team to being the assistant coach um, at Northwestern under Lori Schiller, who had been here for about 40 years, um, really storied success, great program. Um, 
and you know coming into a program like that it was it was really interesting because some of the NCAA rules limit the number of coaches a um, single gender program can have because we're a women's team only and so we're only allowed um, the only university is only allowed to pay two coaches so whereas some programs can have up to four they're only two so kind of stepping into that role um, and not really sure what it would take on and I think Lori wasn't sure either he liked what I brought but it wasn't clear you know for sure, I was going to work with the FAS. Um, I was more than capable of working with the Foilists. Um, my saber background is minimal. I can coach the weapon, but it's definitely no in no way expertise um, of mine. And so, kind of navigating what would that role be, how would the team respond? Um, it was an interesting challenge and just a new experience for me. Um, but it went great. The team responded really favorably. They liked my coaching. Um, I pretty much was doing all of the foil and FA coaching um, right away. And um, as part of hiring me, Lori said, he had told me that he was planning to retire in the next two to five years. Um, and that his hope was that it would be a good fit. And then I would be able to take over the program for him because he wanted to really make sure that he left it in the hands of someone who he trusted and felt would do a good job with the program, which was really honored to be recognized that way. Um, and so uh, <laughs> about a year later, he's like, I'm gonna retire after the end of the season. And I was like, oh, so we're on the two, not the five <laughs> of that range. Uh, and so that was, that was great. It was a really great experience because I also had a year where Lori was still around and it was still very much, he was the head coach, but it gave me a year to sort of transition and start to really think in that way about what I wanted, where I wanted to take the program, what it would look like under my leadership, um, what changes we would make, what things would stay the same. So that was really great. Um, and then you take over as a head coach and all of those theories just usually blow up in your face. Um, and the first year is always really challenging because it's just so much change for everybody. Um, and so our first year was definitely just a struggle to kind of build the relationships that I already had in a different um, capacity. And um, I actually had other coaches who told me, you know, the first year as a head coach and not fencing coaches from all sports is, is the hardest one. Um, because you have a bunch of athletes who they didn't sign up to come to school to work with you and you didn't recruit them. And, and so you're working together to find common ground, but it's not necessarily the program that they signed up for. And, um, so that can create some challenge, just differences of opinions and, and differences of direction. So working through that to really shape the culture into something that fit me instead of fitting Lori, which while both good, not necessarily the same, um, was definitely a process. And I, I learned a lot in that process um, and a great experience and, and on, on relationship building and communication and, and how to how to manage a divergent group of people and try to get them all moving in one one direction. Um, so yeah, it was that was probably the year with the biggest challenge for me. Not to mention that our uh, facility underwent construction halfway through the season, so we some, we trained in six to eight facilities that year. Um, so there were just a, like every hurdle that kind of could be thrown at us was thrown at us, and every staff member working with the team was new to the team that year head coach, assistant coach, athletic trainer, weight coach. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a 
after that year, I felt confident that we could probably manage any potential hurdle that came our way. Yeah, trial by, by fire, it sounds like. You were Very right. much so. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it speaks volumes about um, what Laurie saw in you, though, because the, uh, you, knew, you were clearly on the fast track to um, kind of following in his footsteps. So, you know, kudos to you on kind of getting that, that rapid start and kind of hitting those hurdles right away um, early in your, in your coaching tenure. Um, so that you could learn those lessons and you could kind of develop, develop your philosophy and, you know, establish what you wanted the culture to be moving forward. So, um, yeah, if you could touch on that a little bit about, you know, kind of the nuances of what you're building at Northwestern and have built up to this point. Um, and, in, you know, in being in a unique situation with a single gender team, maybe what, what kind of challenges or, you know, opportunities that presents. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I was fortunate to be handed a pretty awesome platform at Northwestern um, for all that. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to culture, you know, a lot of it comes back to philosophy of the coach and who you are as a person when you're looking at a, building a team culture and building a program. Um, and for me, the reasons that I, the reason I'm still in the sport, the reason I got into the sport, the reason I love the sport, um, had everything to do with the the people, the communities, the relationships that I've built, and then also the nature of the sport itself and the way it contributes to individual growth and the opportunity for that growth, which I think is true for all sports, but um, everyone's got to find the one that really clicks for them. So, you know, fencing helped me as a person grow in so many ways outside of the sport um, that I think having the opportunity to help other people grow in the in that way or their own ways through the sport um, really appealed to me and kind of like I, I mentioned earlier the experience I had um, being as on a, on a college team at Duke really left a lasting impact on me in, in terms of the the types of relationships that produced in the, the community I got to be a part of and so when I looked at what did I want the team to be at Northwestern that I was in charge of leading, um, all of those pieces sort of came together and um, shaped a program, I guess, where it's very values driven. Um, obviously competitive results are uh, important in that they help us grow and, and challenge us and the school wants to see it and we wanna see it and we wanna be successful, but um, not at any cost. And so I think having, a clear set of values that are around growth and um, respect. We have a we have a values document, um, and our values are passion, respect, ownership, unity, and dedication, um, which happens to be a perfect acronym. Proud, um, but uh, those values really drive our program. And so, I like to say that I believe people are stronger together than they are as individuals, and that very much guides how we do things, we do everything we can together. Even though on the strip, you're alone, we don't want you to fence like you're alone. We want you to fence like you have a, you're part of a team, you're part of a whole collective. Um, I think that's also one of the things that makes college fencing special. It's one of the few places that you can really do that. Um, the only other place really being the Olympics and not very many people get to go there. Um, so really leaning into those values. And I, I really believe that our success as a program has come as a result of that unity and that strength of the collective over any individual's success. Um, 
and then yeah the other part of your question was uh women's program um i actually think that is a huge asset for our program um you know there's a couple challenges that it presents i mentioned earlier the coaching limits um which we're able to navigate in a number of ways but i think from a cultural perspective having a single gender program allows us to create the most cohesive tight-knit team possible for a fencing program um, the nature of college fencing i think can be because you have men's and women's teams that pretty much compete separately in terms of how their results are recorded throughout the season right there's no meet where the men's team's results and women's team's results combine to make a single result they're all separate um, i think that leads to often can, can lead to separate cultures existing within almost one single team um, and so you know from my experience from what i've seen of other teams and my college experience a lot of times on co-ed programs you'll have one of those team cultures will be really strong one genders program will be really strong and the other one won't be as strong culturally and they tend to overpower they can conflict a little bit differences of opinions um and so i think it's it's an extra level of challenge to make a co-ed program that has one cohesive culture um having a single gender program where we're all competing towards the same goal our results are all of our results they're not another team results and ours um helps us really build this program um into the most co cohesive uh culture possible um it also allows us to really structure our training so that it's focused on preparing for competition against other women's teams um our athletes are training against the people who fence like the people they're going to compete against i always use the example of uh um you know flick, flicking isn't as prominent in the women's team as it is in the men's game so training with a men's athlete who's going to flick every other action um isn't necessarily helping you prepare for most of the competition you're going to see so trying to um really hone in and focus our preparation on the exact opponents we're going to see um, i think is really beneficial as well yeah it's a really good point i hadn't thought about that um i really like that you you and your team lean into the idea of unity um because i know you know speaking personally my experience in fencing it's it's on the teams that were the tightest, the teams that were the closest for me is where I experienced the most success, but also had the most fun. Um, and so I really like that you you guys emphasize that for sure. I think that's really important in a, in a sport like fencing, where like you can really be you can really be on an island by yourself um, if you're not a part of a club that's close or a part of a team that's tight. So I like that a lot. Um, so speaking of you know possible challenges, everybody faced a challenge this past year. Um, and navigating through COVID and uh, all those kinds of uh, restrictions. So can you talk a little bit about how you and your team and your staff approach that? Yeah, um, we're really fortunate. That's the really short version is I'm really fortunate and we're really fortunate to be in the place that we were. Um, Northwestern is a school that really values the student athlete experience um, and values it, you know, right just slightly below academics which it also values at a super high level um so we were able to just have tremendous resources and support that um you know in a pandemic it's hard to believe that the, the level of commitment they were the university in general was willing to uh, demonstrate when it came to trying to make 
fencing and all of the sports happen safely, um, which was always the key is can we, can we, can we give the student athletes the best possible, closest possible experience to normal, but do so safely. And if we can't do it safely, then we're not going to do it. Um, and so I had a whole team that of, of medical professionals that built a plan for all of our sports and then gave it to us. Um, and, you know, that involved fencing with masks on, which we're still doing to this day um, at NACS and things like that. Um, involved regular testing. We were testing um, four times a week, three times in the morning before practice, and then one um, PC PCR test during the week. Um, we're a very fortunate program in that we have a dedicated athletic trainer. Um, so there, we have an athletic trainer whose only job is fencing. She's at all of our practices, all of our competitions, everything health or medical related for our team. She's in charge of managing um, and she's phenomenal. And so she was able to um, really help us manage everything related to potential COVID concerns. Um, but I actually said this, I don't remember, I said this somewhere recently too, but I think the thing that we really emphasized throughout this year, there were two things. One, how do we create the most normal experience possible for our, our fencers? Because this is gonna be their main outlet away from Zoom, basically, away from their computers. It's our practice when, if and when we were gonna be able to compete, which we were fortunate to be able to, that was gonna be part of that too. And we wanted it to be a space of release for them, um, not necessarily, not a space of additional stress and anxiety, um, which some of that is unavoidable, but as much as we can, it should be a fun space, um, which is always true, I guess. Um, but to really help counterbalance the negative impact of the pandemic. Um, and then two, um, I don't know what the second thing was now, shoot. Um, there was a second thing, but how do we, yeah, how do we help them balance all of that? Um, and then how do, we, yeah, how do we give them the most normal experience we possibly can, especially looking at seniors who this was gonna be their last year in college fencing. Um, can we provide them that experience safely? Um, and so, yeah, we were fortunate to be able to uh, it's definitely stressful, um, especially once we got to competition, just, you know, managing the travel of an entire team is stressful in normal times when you're dealing with trying to do that in a pandemic, it adds a layer, but with our, our coaches and our um, our athletic trainer, like we just had a really good team to help us. And, and we also just have a really great team of athletes who were really conscientious and concerned and, and aware of sort of the positive and negative um, aspects of trying to compete and, and train in a pandemic. Um, and so, you know, we were really fortunate. None of the, we had zero positive tests, positive cases um, on campus for our team all year um, because of the mitigation and then the, the people who, who were being mitigated, I guess, or the, the, the athletes themselves. Um, well, that was, sorry, that was the second thing that I that I wanted to say was like, really approaching everything with a level of compassion and understanding of what everyone's going through, which is something we always try to do, but um, the impact of pandemic has on individuals can often be really difficult to see. Um, so really wanting to make sure that we're, we're extending 
even more grace than we normally would to people around um, concerns and um, mental health issues, everything. So uh, yeah. I don't ever want to do it again. Let's let's say that. Well, I love I love what a lot of what you just said. I think it you know nobody wants to see what happened last year ever happen again, but. I think it provided for your team specifically, you know, the perfect opportunity to um, put that idea of unity into action, you know what I mean? And really look out for each other and take care of each other and protect one another, um, even in just protecting yourself and making sure that you're safe away from the team so that when you come back to the team, everyone's still safe. So I really love that, you know, your team emphasized that, you know, even before the season and then had an opportunity to, you know, actualize that in a real way. So. Something good comes out of out of something bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, your work beyond the team. Um, you know, maybe your goals going into next season, what you do in the off season, that kind of thing. I know that um, you're a part of a, a committee that's created a coaches association um, for NCAA fencing. So I'd love to hear something about that if you're able to speak about it. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, kind of starting with what we do in the off season. So we're, you know, in a lot of ways as coaches, we're training year round. Um, and Northwestern's great in a lot of ways. And one of them is there's a lot of opportunities for professional development. So we have a great business school that we partner with. So there's opportunities to work with professors there and on, you know, leadership skills, tools like tools like that, recruiting tools, um, all sorts of things. And and evaluating you know what we want to do for a focus for the next year you know what is what are the hurdles that we experienced this year and how do we translate them into the next year which we do every year but this year is obviously as we just said a whole another level um and what did we learn from this year that we can we want to good or bad that we want to make sure we carry forward with us and so i think that you know doing that evaluation has been really impactful um and we, we have we have athletes who stick around during the summer, so working with them, um, giving a few lessons every week, uh, and yeah, preparing for the fall. The um, yeah, and then the coaches association is something that was started um, a little over a year ago now. It was in the works for about a year before that, um, and I was one of the people who helped kind of get it off the ground. And then I stayed on as one of the kind of the guiding members. It's part of a committee within the USFCA. Um, but really is, is just focused on how do we advance the interest of NCAA fencing, which you know, as we kind of talked about, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I think has a ton of value um, for our community and for society. And I think we really want to have as many um, pillars supporting it and helping it grow. And what Coaches Association is something that um, the NCAA has recognized as a really important sort of outside group for influencing how the NCA does business and operates and you know makes legislation and rule changes and we just haven't had a functioning a truly functioning collegiate one as for a long time I don't know at some point I think the USFCA that was its founding mission and it's sort of in the direction more of um, certification education um, which is great and a, a need that our, our community def definitely needs but kind of adding on a secondary part to it of, okay, how do we make NCAA fencing stronger? How do we grow the sport? Um, how do we make sure programs are recognized? So, you know, as an example, one of the things we did this year is we rolled out a pretty um, 
comprehensive like awards recognition program that is just in line with what every other sport association is doing and for excuse me for collegiate sports um but we hadn't been doing it for years so there's all these opportunities for recognition for athletes and programs that they're not receiving um and so then if they're not achieving at the very highest level which everyone can't do that all the time they're not necessarily getting recognition for the accomplishments that they are um achieving so just trying to find ways to recognize and celebrate all sorts of different programs um, you know one of the things that makes ncaa fencing a little different than a lot of other sports is the fact that we're competing div one against div two against div three um, and those programs are all very different in a lot of ways and so we want to make sure that uh, single gender co-ed gender as well um, that we're seeing and recognizing everybody in order to give them avenues to be to sell their team, sell their program, both internally and externally, um, and giving new programs or athletic departments reasons or um, evidence that fencing would be a great addition for them. Um, so that's some that's some of the work we're doing, and there's a lot of ways we're exploring that and trying to help grow the sport. Um, obviously, especially at the collegiate level. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. That sounds like, like you said, a very necessary um, initiative. Um, is there somewhere we can check out more information about that, or is that not yet available um, to learn more about the association? Um, so usfca.org has a has a site. It's still um, we're still working on kind of fully developing what the collegiate aspect of the site looks like. Um, I think there's some really cool ideas on what we could kind of be including on there, but. Um, yeah, there's a page there with especially all the awards are all there, um, as well as I believe the committee members. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of need. Uh, and so we're working directly with the NCA, directly with USA Fencing, um, trying to find, you know, what are the various ways that we as each each of those organizations, but then USFCA. Um, can really promote college fencing. Got it. I love it. Definitely want to see more of that college fencing promoted. So um, yeah, I definitely appreciate learning more about your journey, Zach, and, and, and your team um, success and looking forward to kind of following what happens with the next season and beyond. Um, I guess before we wrap up, I'm curious to know if you have any maybe uh, tips or you know advice for anyone who's considering coaching as a career and getting started. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it really depends on what path they want to, anyone wants to take, but I think for anyone, uh, find someone within the fencing community who's coaching who you respect and you're, who's willing to teach you. I think that's a really important thing. Like I, I'm fortunate to have had amazing mentors um, who I can come back to. I go back all the time to various coaches and mentors I've had throughout the years, and I'm, you know, whether it's a very specific hey, I'm working on this thing in a lesson or I want to work on this thing with one an athlete, like how, how do you approach it? Um, to bigger things like, hey, I've got this complicated team dynamic issue within my team that I'm trying to navigate and figure out in your experience, how would you work through that? So I think having somebody like that um, is great and multiple people is even better, but um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to approach people. I, you know, one of the things about our sport and being fencers is that we are 
combat athletes and we tend to hold things back more than just offer them. But in my experience, almost anybody, if you engage them in conversation or introduce yourself or want to um, learn from them, they're almost always willing and happy to have those conversations and help, even if it doesn't appear that way when you first approach them. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think those are both um, really great things. And then obviously, you know, get yourself out there as much as you can, fence as much as you can. Um, there are some really good resources. USFCA is doing some good work there. And USA Fencing has had a, had a couple of really cool initiatives and opportunities for developing coaches. Um, so I think there's, there's some good resource, resources out there as well. But I think the main thing in our fencing community is really um, putting yourself out there and being willing to ask questions of, of people who you see and you respect. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like it. Well, Zach, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your willingness to share um, you know, your, your expertise and your knowledge um, about the sport. Um, I look forward to speaking with you again. Um, and again, I'm looking, uh, looking at the Coaches Association. I'm excited to see kind of what, what develops from that. Um, and how the sport is improved in the future. So again, all the best to you in the coming season. Enjoy your time off <laughs> and uh, look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate the time and appreciate the work you're doing uh, kind of promoting our sport as well. For sure, for sure. Talk to you soon. <laughs>